Mic check, one, two, one, two. Mic check, one, two, one, two. Counting one, two, three. All that little other stuff you want to say. Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's good. All my fellow wrestling fans out there. Jason Jones back with another episode of the Yes, I'm Watching Wrestling podcast where I don't act or claim to be a reporter or a newsbreaker or anything in the wrestling business. I'm just a regular fan like the rest of you watching the show and talking shit about it because, of course, I could book it better than they can. So with that being said, let's jump right into this episode. I'm going to recap AEW All Out and touch on some of the comments made by Mick Foley this week in regards to what's going on with WWE Creative. But uh, but we're going to go ahead and start with AEW's All Out pay-per-view. And I must say, with an outstanding pay-per-view, uh, I wouldn't put it ahead of, say, the first night of WrestleMania that was capped with uh, Sasha and Bianca, but it was a damn good show top to bottom. You know, rarely what did I feel like I was bored or whether that it was dull in any way. The matches moved well, told good stories. Uh, did I like everything? No. <laughs> per se, maybe in terms of the results, but overall, I can't complain about what AEW gave us and would have to be probably, I'm assuming it's going to be their most watched pay-per-view. Definitely the one that had the most attention, probably since the first you know pay-per-view they put on, just because of the return of CM Punk. We were all waiting to see who would make their debuts. We all figured Ruby Soho would be one of them, but we didn't really know what else was out there. And or we couldn't confirm, but, you know, Brian Danielson shows up. Adam Cole shows up. Ends up being a hell of a way to close the night. But I just want to kind of maybe go match for match, but uh, not all the way through, but, you know, touch on some of what I thought were the highlights of the of, of the night. Uh, Kingston and Miro. Uh, Eddie Kingston is one of my favorites in AEW. You know, great talker on the mic. Great, Just feels like he's a very authentic character out there. Miro, of course, went from a guy who was in WWE watching his wife have sex with Bobby Lashley or some weird ass storyline <laughs> that never really got explained. Uh, you know, to back to being like the badass assassin in the ring that uh, he probably should have been in WWE. Uh, entertaining match, I thought. You know, physical. Great spots, great moments. Miro keeps TNT title. You know, I was going to lie. I was rooting for Kingston to get it, but right now they've got Miro on a monster run as a as a monster heel. You know, God's champion. He's there to redeem us. I like it. I like his character. So I mean, as much as I would love to see Eddie Kingston with some gold, I can respect keeping the belt on Miro. Keep building up that monster role he's on. A great match. And then you had... And that was to open the show. So that was, you know, set a nice nice bar. You know, I think it's kind of like an intro to an album. You can't mess up the... You mess up the intro. Ugh. You know, you get, you get a bad song to start an album. You may not see the end of the album. So 
yeah, I really enjoyed that opening match. And then we get to Moxley and Kojima. You know, another physical, you know, entertaining match. Moxley and Kojima told a great story. Moxley gets the win. And then Suzuki comes out and <laughs> kicks Moxley's ass, essentially. You know, but that was just a, yo. Know, I love the integration of Moxley's time over in Japan and bringing some of those heels and those characters over to the States to, you know, give Moxley a run. I, I'm enjoying it. I like to get the creative. It's good business for AEW to include New Japan and what they're doing. Gives them more to work with, more storylines, similar to what they're doing with Impact. So I'm all for what they did with that. Uh, next up, you had the women's champ title match. Dr. Britt Baker. Uh, you know, Kate Stratlander. Another really good match. Really good match. Uh, the Doc keeps her belt. But, I mean, this was another match where I said, you can't complain. I can't complain about what I saw out there. I thought it was a great match. Really did. Enjoyed it. Had a lot of fun, you know, watching that. Thought it was a good, you know, very entertaining uh, Statlander showing off the power she has. You know, Britt Baker, great technical wrestler, great entertainer as well. Had a lot of fun with that. And then we had the tag team title match. Young Bucks against the Lucha Bros. And, and I'm going to admit, I have never been the biggest Bucks fan. Just, I... You know, maybe it's the whole WWE thing in the back of my head. I have, it's always looked so tiny to me. It's like hard for me to believe that these two little guys could be really the best tag team in the world. But guess what? They shut my mouth um, at All Out. They and the Lucha Bro, that hell of a match in a cage. You got a Nike, you got a Jordan with tacks on the bottom. Great high spots, you know. A lot of wow movements, a lot of amazing combo moves. A hell of a match. I loved it. You know, Lucha Bros win, but yeah, it was a great match. Again, this pay-per-view just just kept getting better and better and better. <coughs> oh, excuse me. Mm. I had ate some Doritos and I had a little, you know, Dorito in my throat. My bad, y'all, but... Next up, the Casino Battle Royale. You get the debut of Ruby Soho, formerly known as Ruby Riot in WWE, who wins the the, the uh, Battle Royal. Um, came down to her and Thunder Rosa. And here's the part of the podcast where I cape for Jade Cargill. Um, I guess at least you had Nyla Rose eliminate her. So it was like someone he could, you could maybe say you could see that happening, but... Jade is a badass. I want to see Jade in the title picture. I don't want to see her getting into the ring and looking like clearly the most physically dominant person in the ring. And then just getting eliminated, you know, because somebody could Nyla put her in the back. Come on, that's bullshit, y'all. But then again, I cape hard for Jade. I think I would I would love to see Jade on TV more. To me, she's might be the most compelling woman, you know, on their brand just because she's new she's you know great shape great athlete a lot that i think we could enjoy 
if they would get her on dynamite and everything more. Just my take, you know. You know, AEW has taken some criticism from some and from the wrestling community essentially for burying their stars that are people of color. You know, Nyla Rose's uh, championship run wasn't that great. You know, um, I mean, you can just go on and on and on in terms of some of the criticisms, uh, in terms of how they've treated some of their uh, their talent like that, and whether, like I said, whether it's that uh, people have made comments about some other, you know, other stars, young, young, you know, African American stars they have on there that don't seem to ever end up on, you know, on TV enough. And I think Jade, it should be on TV way, way more. I mean, and not, not, and not with some mouthpiece. I need, I need to see her in the ring doing what she does, you know, and another, yeah, another complaint, you know, Hikaru Shida, you know, Shida, Held the belt for 372 days. Uh, lost the belt. Hasn't really been used much since on the main roster. So yeah, there's going to be... There's a whole lot of uh, criticism about how wrestlers of color are used by the company. So that's going to stay, especially when you've got some... Like I said, some main, some top-level talent who I think could and deserves a little more shine you know, in the company. That's just me. So, hey, you know, one person's take, give me more Jade, give me more Jade. Okay, then you got Jericho, MJF. Jericho does not have to retire from the ring, even though he's going to be going away, you know, make music and whatnot. I have a, saw a thing in my Instagram feed about uh, like a Jericho cruise. Uh, with the way this COVID thing is going, I don't know if it's getting better or worse. I don't know how I feel about being on a cruise right now, but it was good that they, you know, they finally let Jericho get a win in this series. And it's been a hell of a, a rivalry, you know, well drawn out. And when I say drawn out, I don't mean that like in a in the negative sense, but you don't see stories like that told over months a lot of times in wrestling anymore. That's mainly because uh, until AEW's emergence, it's been, you know, WWE's been the dominant force and they change stories on a whim and they act like you don't remember what happened the week before. So <laughs> it's been fun to watch this this uh, MJF Jericho story, you know, build, build, build over a long, longer period of time to get to where we are. With Jericho finally beating MJF. It was, like I said, great writing, great creative, great story. Then, we, like I said, along the way, the show is not, the, the show is not falling off. The show is still entertaining. You know, you don't have, I haven't, in watching the show, I didn't feel any downtime in, at this point watching it. Then we get to CM Punk and uh, Darby Allen. Another entertaining match, you know, CM Punk's first time in the ring in over seven years. He wins with a GTS. I thought Darby, yo, I thought Darby really did a good job in this match as well, though. You know, he's uh, always going to be at a size disadvantage, but just the way he uses his body in the ring and basically uses his entire body as a weapon to compensate for that, you know, size disadvantage. 
it was fun to watch against a technician like CM Punk, who clearly was going to be the fan favorite in there, considering you're in Chicago. He's from Chicago, but definitely looked like CM Punk of old most of the time. You know, you, you know, it's like it's been so long since we've seen Punk in the ring, but it definitely looked like CM Punk, and that was good to see. And then next up, probably the only time where I was kind of like, okay, uh, but this always happens when you have to follow a match like CM Punk and Darby Allen. You had the uh, Paul White QT Marshall match, and it wasn't that it was horrible. I mean, it's still crazy to see Paul White wrestling at this age, knowing he's had the replacement and all that stuff, you know, but... Damn it, it was going to be hard to follow that damn Punk Allen match. It's going to be hard. And they did what they did. They were able to keep you engaged enough for the main event. Which is, of course, Kenny Omega, Christian Cage for the AEW Championship. One-winged angel. One-winged angel from the top rope for the win for Kenny Omega. And then that's when it gets fun. That's when you get, you know, we're going to beat up Christian now, you know, teach him a lesson. Then you get, you know, you know, Jurassic Express down there. They get beat down. Then you get the Adam Cole out, come out, you know, super kick the jungle boy, the club, reuni- you know, reuniting the club once again. And then. We end with Brian Danielson making his AEW debut. And like I said, to cap one hell of a night. Uh, let me know what you think. You know, hit me up on Twitter at Mr. Underscore Jason Jones. Where does this pay-per-view rank for you over the over the over pay-per-views this year? I think I still have WrestleMania overall. I probably have night one ahead of night two, but WrestleMania is still up there. But this this is gonna this is gonna give uh, whatever right now it might be a solid number two for me right now because I was just disappointed with SummerSlam because of the whole botched deal with the way the Bianca Becky match went. I'm still disappointed with SummerSlam, so I'm gonna put all out ahead of SummerSlam right now, even though Brock Lesnar did return in SummerSlam because they pissed me off. That being said, like I said again, great pay per view from AEW. Let's see what they do with this momentum. All the eyes of the wrestling world are on AEW right now. And the way he's going, anytime you see a guy in WWE who looks like he's being misused or might be unhappy, the question is going to become is when do they become all elite? So for now, let's go ahead and ride this thing out, see what goes. But again, thought top to bottom was a great show. One of the best shows of the year. Now, let's move over to... Um, comments made by WWE Hall of Famer, the legendary McFoley, in discussing the current state of WWE, and he basically said it. WWE, you have a problem. You know, AEW is bringing in big, they're bringing in stars now. They've got a lot of attention, and they're a legit option now for people to go or with the place to go, especially if you're trying to build your career and climb, you know, 
and it go from maybe a star to a superstar or maybe from a you know developmental unknown guy to stardom. You know that you know Mick raises the question: If you're an up and comer, do you trust WWE creative with your career? I can't see why you would. Really can't. And Mick is absolutely right. You got to fix that problem. You know, he talked about how, you know, you look at some of the NXT call-ups and they basically, you know, t- you know, they don't go with the if it ain't broke, don't fix it mentality. They go with the, hey, you're here, let's do something with you mentality. And it's really sad to watch. And the example uh, Mick mentioned was Karrion Cross. Karrion Cross, formerly Killer Cross was a badass in NXT. Basically unbeatable. He only, I believe, he only, the only time he was beaten was in his last match when he dropped the belt to Samoa Joe. He lost the belt the first time due to injury. I mean, he's a certified, you know, badass. They don't call him Killer Cross anymore in WWE, but he was the killer. You get him on the main roster, he loses to Jeff Hardy, who had been God knows where. Um, you, 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 he went from basically dressed like, you know, black trunks, black boots on the fight to some weird looking gladiator thing. And, you know, first they added the little frilly things to his trunks. Now he's wearing this weird thing across his body. Goes to the ring with this silly looking mask on. What the hell is going on? And, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's crazy because... You know, carrying across isn't the only one they did this with. You know, they took away his managers. You know, took, you know, there's no Scarlet with him, who I thought was a critical part of his uh, character in NXT. But again, because that worked, of course, the WWE way is it worked. Let's fuck it up. And that's what they're doing with him. But he's not the only one. Remember Keith Lee? Moved him to the, to the main roster. What did they do? Dress him up in some weird looking loincloth thing. Why? Who in the hell knows why? Just, just ridiculous. You know, and I could go, you know, then Keith is either in the title contention or he's like, you know, he wasn't, you know, prior to COVID, you know, COVID, you didn't know what they were doing with Keith Lee and still don't know what they're doing with Keith Lee. You know, then I could go on and on and on, you know, you had Ricochet who was hot in in, uh, NXT now, I don't know what the hell Ricochet does. Now, he hasn't recovered from the time he actually... Remember, he he got a title match with Brock Lesnar. Basically, made him lose like in a minute. It was like a... Just, just got squashed. I don't know if his character's recovered from that. It's almost like they let him get beat down so they could forget about him. Don't get me started on what happened with Aleister Black. Build him all up for all these vignettes. Then you release him. Another guy who was hot in AEW... Not AEW, excuse me. Um, NXT, who just got to the main roster and got lost, misused, and just, oh, I guess abuse is the wrong word, but yeah, the shit was just bad. Just bad. And that doesn't even go into some of the established uh, people, you know. Oh, let me back up for that. How about this, this weird NXT thing? You call up, first off, you break up the tag team of Ember Moon and Shotzi Blackheart. You make the tag team Shotzi and Tegan Knox. They like beat the tag team champions a couple of times, but they're like not getting a title match. I'm confused as hell. 
But, that you know, outside of NXT call-ups, you look at what they've done with some of the established people. Again, like, you know, uh, you know a guy like Jeff Hardy, who's a former world champion. He's either sneakily beating Karrion Cross, or he's a jobber, or he's now chasing the 24-7 title, which pretty much means his career is over in WWE. I'll be waiting for the Jeff Hardy is all elite post at some point, because, yeah, why is Jeff Hardy chasing the 24-7 title? I don't know. I don't know. And then on top of that, I think Roman Reigns commented, but I agree, just the getting rid of the hurt business. Like, why? That was a cool faction to have. Why end that? What the hell? Now you've got the women's tag team champions and Natalia and Tamita, who somehow it feels like they lose a tag team title match to a non-title match every week. It's like, are they just trying to devalue champions the same way they did with Nikki Cross, Nikki Ass, or A-S-H? I'm sorry, just God. Gave her a dumbass name like Nikki Ash. Come on. I'm sorry, I'm just... Oh. Yeah, so, is it all, in summary, I agree with Mick Foley. WWE has a legit problem here. Because when their talents uh, contracts are up, they're, they now have a legit option to go somewhere and probably feel more appreciated, respected, and used better. It wouldn't surprise me to see guys like Kevin Owens taking a peek at AEW. AEW, his contract was reportedly up in January with WWE. A guy like Sami Zayn, it wouldn't surprise me to pick a peek over there. I don't know when his contract is up, but it wouldn't shock me. You know, they can go join an Adam Cole who, according to the reports, and this right here, this report was so damn asinine. Uh, not the report itself, but just the idea where Ringside News reported that and they wanted to, the WWE was going to uh, move Adam Cole to the main roster, move him to SmackDown, which is another issue right there. Why are you like, not putting anyone on Raw, for God's sake? Why are you stacking that roster? But they're going to make him a manager. The fuck? Make him a manager. That's their problem. Adam Cole... One of the best workers around, coming off a hell of a feud with with Kyle O'Reilly, was your, I believe your longest reigning NXT champion. Make him a damn manager. Give me a break. Yeah, this is, this is getting ridiculous with WWE and some of these decisions. No wonder Adam Cole bounced. I would have bounced too. So, yeah. But that's all I really got. I just wanted to kind of recap all out and. Kind of speak on what Mick Foley was talking about. And I would love to hear your views. Like I said, hit me on Twitter. Reply to me at Mr. Underscore Jason Jones. Let me know what you think. And like I said, bear with me as I begin the process of figuring out how to best make this show maybe more visual, more lively, all that fun stuff. So shoot me your ideas for that as well. Uh, Thanks for listening. Hope you're enjoying your week. Uh, Everyone take care. I'm about peace.